All right, everybody, welcome back. This is, uh, I guess we're gonna call this episode one of 21 going on 77. This is a pod Dallas Maverick focus, but still more about the NBA. You know, I'm your boy Dwight. Follow me at on, on Twitter at 517-2214. And I'm here with my co-host, Young SJ at SJ Basketball. So we are, are appreciate everybody to listen to the first episode. Real talk, that was just kind of us freestyling off the top, ran a little long. We ain't really edited or counted down. Hell, we didn't even have a name for it. So you know, we got some, we got some out, some cool little uh, artwork now. So we uh, we're gonna get into it. Try to try to improve this as, is I guess our first quote unquote official episode. So young SJ, how you feeling? Yes, sir. I'm feeling okay. I'm happy to everyone that watched the or listened to the first episode. And I'm I just hope you guys continue to listen. We just discuss basketball. There we go. There we go. So uh we like I said, um oh I do want to say, so where did the name of the podcast come from? Uh, 21 Going On 77 is my co-host, is 21 years old, yes. and I am not 77 years old, <laughs> but I am considerably older than her, so, you know, 77 is uh, my, my, my grown Slovenian son's tel- uh, number. So I want while I'm not 77, I am considerably older than SJ. And I want it to be a play on our age difference and, you know, how we view the game, how we see the game. So that's where the name of the podcast came from. That's, that's, that's where it came from. Yes. So SJ is, uh, man, we picked maybe the two best weeks in recent Dallas Maverick history to start a pod because we have a new coach and we have a new GM. Yes, yes, we do. And (laughs) I'll I'll just cut straight to the shits. Our new coach, Mr. Jason Kidd, uh, obviously former player, won a championship here with us in 2011. Previous head coach at two stops, Milwaukee and New Jersey. Recently won a championship last year as uh, one of the lead assistants on the Los Angeles Lakers. So um, I'm, I'm going to go first on this. We, we yeah. just, we're going to acknowledge the elephant on the room, in the room. Um, I'm going to keep it a buck with y'all. I didn't want Jason Kidd as the coach. Um, I, uh, there's been a lot of, you know, we we know his off the court history. You know, back in 2001, he was charged and pled guilty to domestic violence. Um, just keeping it tall with y'all. Uh, in my personal life, I've seen some things as a kid to where that shit hits a little different for me. To where I didn't want that man as the coach pretty much under any circumstances. Um, I just, I'm not a quote unquote person that says, or cancel culture person. I'm not someone 
that says you can't reform or do better or any other thing of that nature. But all I'm gonna say is to the audience when it comes to matters like this is where we draw the line at. Um, you know, this was an act of violence towards kind of a helpless woman. And, you know, I read into the, I read the news report about what happened and, you know, he put his hands on that woman and he pretty much admitted to it. Now, it, from what she said, it was just once, he punched her in the lip after, I guess he spent some French fries at her and she hit him and, you know, I'm not as a, as a, in a vacuum, that's a horrible act, but it's maybe not the worst thing in the world, but where it makes me uncomfortable is, man, that's that man's wife. And Jason Kidd is 6'4", like 230, and that's still a woman. So that's not something I'm just going to be comfortable with. It's not something I'm going to co-sign. It's not something I'm going to just keeping it real with you, man, you know, hell, I'm a man pushing 40 years old. I've been married six years. I got a wife and two kids. Hell, I'm 6'1", 230. My wife is five feet tall. Like, there's nothing my wife could do that make me put her hands on her, make me put my hands on her. And to... Like, I'm not a young person that don't understand the dynamics. Yeah, my wife done pissed me off. She done made me angry. But I ain't never put my hands on her like that. And I personally do look at people with the side eye to do stuff like that. Now, with all this being said, you know, he has been remarried. He hasn't been charged with it. He hasn't. Yeah, apparently he been kept, he done kept his nose clean for 20 years. And that's good, man, salute. But I'd be lying to y'all if I said I wasn't comfortable with it. I didn't want him to be the coach. I'd be lying if I said I was like, if I didn't, it didn't cross my mind being a fan of this team basically since I was like nine years old. If I was just going to like, you know what, I'm going to take a break till this dude is out the paint. It crossed my mind, and I, you know, I was a fan when Chris Gatling and Robert Pack were the best players on the team. So, for me to want to pack up on this team, it, 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 that's that's heavy for me. But I was about to do it because I just, I, given our history, given everything we've been through as far as the way this organization has treated women recently. This just didn't make me comfortable, but it is what it is. I think the dude has learned to control himself better. And I don't think the dude is necessarily a monster. So we hear now he's the coach. I can't help it. I'm still going to be a fan of the team. And it is what it is. SJ, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, my thoughts are, you know, very similar to yours. Like, originally when, um, you know, they started talking about, you know, the coaching hire and who they were considering, 
I didn't have, like we discussed in the last pod, I didn't have like a firm choice I would have liked for the um, new coach to come from outside of the organization, but I wanted them, you know, to do their due diligence, could say that word and, you know, go through the process and try to find the right guy for the job. And it's clear that they didn't do that. They already knew who they wanted. And that was Jason Kidd. And I wanted, he was my last choice. Like he was like at the bottom of the list, honestly, not even in consideration, just because of like you detailed his past. And if you're looking at the Dallas Mavericks organization, we have been in the news for not very good things, you know, hire a guy with, you know, past domestic violence charges as well. Um, you know, sexual assault in the front office, like, to me, the Mavericks should have stayed away from this just because of all the press that he was going to get. And at the end of the day, I do not know Jason Kidd personally. You know, I don't know him like that. So I cannot speak to if he has changed or not. But at the end of the day, these are things that, you know, he did. So um, I am just not a fan of it. And even outside of all the personal stuff he's not a good coach like I think we can look at that like I'm not sure what I should be positive about with this hire because he's not a good coach both his stops that he was at there are rarely there barely anything you can anything positive you can take away from what he has done at those stops in Milwaukee and in Brooklyn so I I'm not sure what's there to be excited about with this coaching hire and I've a lot has been made. Um, like you said, um, Dwight, like you don't like you're not gonna give up on the team. And I I've been saying how I always go back and forth saying, oh, I'm gonna stop being a Mavs fan. This that and the third. I mean, I love the team, but I think my fandom has to be reshaped. Like, yeah. in like yes, yeah, so a team that has Jason Kidd as their head coach, like. I am not going to pour money into that team. So I, I'm i not buying any more merch <laughs> as long as he's a head coach. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to, you know, watch the broadcast, like the Mavs broadcast. I'll watch, you know, the other team's broadcast or the national broadcast. That's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm, I don't follow the social media accounts <laughs> anymore. Um, it's just little stuff like that, things that I can control that I won't do. I mean, I'll still watch the games and, you know, I, I'm never rooting for this team to lose or, or anything bad to happen. But as far as me pouring money <laughs> into the Mavs, I, I don't think, I think I have to take a pause on that because I think for other people, it's easy. Like, like I'm a woman first over anything. Like I'm a woman before I'm a basketball fan. So to, to me, I, this, like, obviously, it didn't happen directly to me, but I can relate. And I know a lot of people, especially, you know, a lot of men, they don't relate to it, so they don't care, which is fine. I'm not asking anyone to care with me or to care on behalf of me, but I care. So I will just do as I see fit right now. And, I mean, I would hope that he doesn't run the team into the ground, but like I said, there's nothing, I haven't seen anything from his previous stops that would make me optimistic about what he can do as far as being a coach. Yeah, it's, it's, 
as far as where I'm at is remove his personal life off the table. Yeah, as a coach, man, you know, I the situation in Milwaukee, I don't th- like, I don't want to, I think he did all right. Like, I'm not going to say he did a bad job per se there. Um, you know, hell, they, they did okay. You know, they historically weren't a really good team. He showed up. They were above 500. He put the ball in Giannis's hand. So I, I think he did aid the development. Um, I kind of heard, I was on, a, I believe, a locker room. I think one of Kirk's, Kurt Henderson's locker rooms. And someone said they think that Jason Kidd is our Avery Johnson. And I kind of get that same. I think I, I don't think Jason Kidd is going to be the coach when this the Luca era hits its peak. I think he's here to, frankly, because to recruit, to aid in recruiting. However, we feel about Jason Kidd as fans and a fan base. Other NBA players rock with Jay Kidd. They do, yeah. and that's undeniable. And as you, I think you know, we'll touch on what our new GM, what he brings to the table. I do think they were a package deal. And, you know, I, I, I also say, man, listen, I, I truly believe as more and more news comes out about Rick Carlisle, we can blame Mark Cuban. We can blame Donnie Nelson. I don't think dudes want to play for Rick. I just don't. I think if you had the option to not play for Rick, and get the same money or even a little less and be in a similar op- a similar situation, I think dudes went the other way. I really, truly believe that. We can blame Mark for Darren Williams. Cool. But you look at, you know, the little stuff around the margins. Um, yeah. Your, your uh, Jay Crowders, your Bobby Portis's, your, you know, dudes that, might not be stars, but if they came here, we would we would have beat the Clippers. I, I just say we we had to get Rick out of here. And however I feel about Jason Kidd, I know NBA players probably rocking with Rick. I mean, probably rocking with Jay Kidd over Rick. So this is uh, I guess we could make this a whole topic. I'm not going to, but keeping it real with you, I don't think coaching in the NBA is as, as important as talent. Um, and like uh, we touched on this last episode, I think whatever tactical advantage we got from Rick from an X and O standpoint, I think we lost because dudes just didn't want to play for Rick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with that, um, I like I I've seen like a lot of what you're saying like oh coaching doesn't matter coaching doesn't matter and I mean I think those claims are more like more like hyper hyperbole like yeah. obviously coaching matters but Definitely. um I see what you're saying about talent but to me deep in the playoffs is when you know coaching really shows its um worth like I look at a team like Milwaukee. And, you know, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Their series is tied, you know, one apiece. But you kind of, like, and they beat Brooklyn. But I don't know. To me, I just feel like they 
still leave more on the table. And I look to coaching. And it's not fair to put it all on Bud because, you know, you have Drew Holiday who was shooting like he was blind. And Chris Middle, you know, no, really. And then Chris yeah. Middleton, who he's only a star when he's at home. So it's like, it's not all Bud, but there's some things you can look to Bud and say, hey, yeah. maybe if you did this a little differently, the outcome would have been, you know, much more smoother than you would have liked. So um, I do think that for coming at the, you know, making it at the first round, talent is more important than what, what kid would be doing. But if we have, you know, goals of going, making deep playoff runs, you know, even making finals runs, your coach has to know what he's doing. So I agree with you where you said, um, I don't think Jason Tidd is going to be here long term. I really don't. Like people are thinking he's going to be, you know, like uh, Phil Jackson <laughs> tied to um, <laughs> Michael Jordan. People think he's going to be with Luca his whole career. And I think those people are kind of misguided. I, I, I don't think, I think he's the stepping stone. Like you said, he's the stepping stone to, I guess, uh, hopefully greener pastures. Yeah, I think, uh, man, Luca runs hot. And we know Jason Kidd runs hot. And that, that just doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. It, it They're might, gonna be boxing. It, <laughs> may work, it may work short term. Um, because I think Luca does res- like Luca respects guys who, who can play. And yeah. he respects, you know, Jamal Mosley was a player. That's why I think him and Luca were so tight. And he was a younger guy. And you know, Rick played, but Rick. Rick was a bench player, man. You know, Rick barely. <laughs> Rick was Rick. And I, I just think Luca didn't just, di- I don't know if Luca ever respected Rick. I look back because Rick was a, a an asshole and then B, like, I, you know, I mentioned it last episode. I distinctly remember Luke, the first game Luca ever played in Phoenix. <laughs> Rick told, Luca in the inside tracks or whatever that segment is. Hey, don't try step back threes. Those are tough. And I think Rick uh, Luca heard that and was like, man, what the fuck is you talking about? Like, <laughs> this is my shit. I'm doing it. And he kept doing it. And that's, you know, that's his quote unquote signature shot. So yeah. I, I think he's going to respect J Kid, but when them, when the, you know, we saw, I mean, Luca was in blatantly disrespecting Rick in the playoffs. And I think when the rubber meets the road in the playoffs and Jay Kidd does something questionable, Luca's going to blatantly disrespect him. And the thing is, I think Jason Kidd not going to put up with that. And that shit going to come to a head. And God bless Jason Kidd, but <laughs> he's going to be packed up and we're going to be hoping Jamal Mosley is available. Yeah, it's, it's and it's funny because the way Luca is and like reading reports, like we're gonna see a game where Luca and JK they get into something on the bench and Luca's gonna check back in and he's gonna play like he's Magic Johnson just to show up JK. <laughs> he might turn the ball yep. over and JK might be upset and then Luca's gonna come in with these ridiculous pass like. The reports say that Luca tried to show up Rick, like you said about the step back threes. Heard Rick say, you know, mm-hmm. cut those out. 
and he goes out there and shoots them more. <laughs> like, yep. um, he like that. He's that type of person. And I think, I mean, you could kind of say this is, you know, kind of due to Luca's immaturity a little bit, and and it is a little immature if you get into a, you know, like into something with your coach and then you go on the court trying to show them up like that. That's a little bit immature, yes. Right. But at the same time, this is why you try to have a coach that has these relationships with your star so these things don't happen on the court and I I just hope that it doesn't get to that point I feel like we've had a lot of drama you know this summer to last a very long time so I I'm just hoping that we're not in the middle of the season having to read any more athletic articles about (laughs) anything going on behind the scenes uh that's my hope I just hope everyone can get along and I'm I'm thinking about we talk about Luca but I'm also thinking about Porzingis yeah. you know like he um obviously I won't say he didn't you know fuck with Rick or anything but clearly he you know the way how he speaks in the interviews he wasn't a big fan of how he was used so I'm I'm intrigued to see what kid does with Porzingis and especially how Porzingis comes back and looks because that's gonna be an interesting dynamic like looking at the offenses kid ran like his offenses weren't bad I think he took Milwaukee I believe it was like they were kind of bottom of the league offensively and then when he got there he kind of you know took them up to like a top 15 offense so it's I'm I'm not worried about the how the offense will look it's I'm worried about the defense his teams were horrible defensively and they had good defensive personnel so we're already struggling (laughs) defensively so I'm not sure how that's gonna look, especially if Porzingis is not, you know, himself or his past self. So I'm just intrigued what he's gonna do. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to refer to number six as Tall Man. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, I believe, I don't, I think, hell, I think you coined the term. And yeah, I, going, I think I did too. <laughs> yeah, so tall man like I'll be honest I've been kind of defensive of tall man I was in tall man's corner because I do feel like any big that you expect to rebound and protect the paint you gotta feed them right you gotta you gotta get them they touches and god we've joked about this but the athletic article that comes out when tall man gets traded is gonna be hot because yeah Luca has eyes in the back of his head. He sees shit on the floor that, like, I'm watching on TV. I see all five players on this TV screen at once, and I still can't figure out how the hell he's seen certain passes. But Tall Man would be at the top of the key, wide the fuck open, and he still wouldn't throw it to him. And I think there's something there. And let me be very, very clear. I am not taking up for Tall Man because Tall Man been sneak dissing Luca. The entire season. He, every single, I mean, we talked about this on Twitter. We talked about it all the time. Every time Luca missed a game and Tall Man played, it was always, well, the ball moved better. I remember, like, I think Skin asked him a question in the post game about why the defense was good. He was like, well, the defense was good because we moved the ball. And it's like, fam, y'all score like 90 points. <laughs> like, like let, let's 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 
I don't. That's my thing about Tall Man that rubs me the wrong way. If Tall Man was like a good dude and didn't do the subliminal shots, I would. I'd probably be one of them folks on Twitter y'all make fun of because I take up for him. But I don't know if Tall Man gets it. I think Tall Man's ego is so big that he still sees himself as a star. And do I agree that Luca missed him a little bit more than he should have? But I just don't know if his ego is going to work moving forward. I don't know if you put a gun in my head. I don't think Tall Man is on the roster opening day. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's the thing. I need to see. I have to see. Like I'm like with this new GM, you know, with Nico Harrison coming in, like, and he's the kind of guy that you know he's known around the league. You know, reports are saying that other teams have been trying to get him for a while so this this I think this was a good hiring and I just I'm not sure where his like his head is at like the way Cuban is speaking he you know clearly sees Porzingis as a number three option now it looks like Cuban has kind of given up with Porzingis being a second star so I'm not sure if what where their head is at in terms of keeping him or you know trading him and with him and Luke, I just think if they're not, like, friends, by all reports, if they're not friends, they don't really like each other. Why are you trying to keep that dynamic on the team? Like, I understand relationships can evolve and such, but to me, I'm not, I'm not really taking the chance, especially when the talent gap is so big. And if you look at those plays that you're re- referencing, like the pick-and-pop plays where Porzingis is open, the previous season Porzingis got the ball almost every time on those plays on those plays this season not so much so clearly to me that shows something happened Luca I don't I think it's trust Luca does not trust him and the way how they I always hoped and I mean Rick never figured it out I mean maybe kid can but if if Porzingis is still on the team I always hope that they would have like developed a two-man game kind of like how you know how Jokic and Murray like to me they probably have the best two-man game as far as a guard and a big and you know you have Chris Paul and Aiton like they never developed a two-man game to me it was always picking pops and then poising just wanted the ball every single time <laughs> when he popped yeah, yeah. and to me that's not good game flow especially when he if you're looking at his shooting numbers we're I don't know like the whole NBA community like we know Porzingis can shoot but I feel like we're conditioned to think he's some elite shooter and he's not elite like if you look at the numbers like an elite shooter is cat for a big man like he's shooting 40 percent you know two seasons in a row from three that's that's an elite shooting big man Porzingis is at like 35 so to me that percentage doesn't justify you getting the ball at the top of the key every single time on the pop because we know you're not driving it and creating your own shot. We know you're not doing that. We know you're just going to launch from back there. So to me, I get it. And I do think Lucas should um, should have passed just, just for chemistry purposes, even if you, you, you're not trusting him to make the shot, but still pass it, like, yes. But I think the change in relationship kind of led to the on-court issues as well. So I think on, until the relationship between them changes, you're not going to see much difference on the court. And then tall man, he's going to be miserable the entire time. And this is where my 
this is where my issue comes in. Like, um, today's Sunday, the day before was Saturday. We had um, game four of Clippers Suns, and Aiton after the game, Aiton was dominant. Like on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball, all game, like he was dominant. I think he, his final stat line was nineteen, twenty-two boards, and I think five blocks. And after the game, like in the presses, they were saying, oh, before, you know, in shoot around, Aiton was, you know, talking about defense and how he was going to protect the paint. Like that, that was his focus. And to me, Porzingis doesn't show that pride. Like he, like they brought him to Dallas to be a two way big man, like not just be a second star in offense, but also to, you know, protect the paint and do all that good stuff. And I think he's hyper fixated on one side of the ball. And when he's not getting his touches, it just affects the rest of his game. He doesn't want to rebound. He doesn't want to protect the paint. And I know that might be because of his injuries as well. He might not trust his body. But at the same time, show pride in other aspects of the game. I feel like he never did that. I feel like he never did that. So that was yeah. one of my biggest um, gripes with him as well. Yeah, and I've probably listened to every single – tall man interview this entire season uh post game or otherwise and buddy always brings up his touches like i've never heard him mention anything else and it's like fam like this is this is the problem and this is what i think is going to happen tall man needs to feel included and you know even kato's article when he packed when he broke the Bob Volgaris uh, story. It brought up how Christos Brzezinski feels like a, an afterthought and not a second star. And it's like, bro, you got control of that shit. And if he just rebounded, like real talk, we, you know, we, we doing these mock off seasons. I think there's a path to add a number two option or another a 3A option. But, and it would work if Tall Man just fucking got over himself. Like, if Tall Man, like, I know we get mad because, oh, Tall Man couldn't score over dudes who were six inches shorter than him. Look, Tall Man is skinny, and I'm going to say something that may be blasphemy, but Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score over niggas that was uh four to six inches shorter than him in 2007 he couldn't you're right he could not and we got packed up because of it we lost in the first round because of it so that's why i'm not willing to totally not believe in tall man uh his potential i think he could figure out some ways to work on his game to get better at that but real talk, even if he doesn't, if he just makes 38% of his threes like he did last year, protect the rim and rebound, he ain't even got to be become Dirk. He can just be tall man and shoot his threes, shoot his mid-post jumpers, just protect the rim and rebound, and we can actually be a winning team if he just wants to do that. And I don't know if he wants to do that. I don't think he wants to do that. That's, that's just, And this is not me, obviously – you know, we don't know him in person and we don't know his desires, but everything is 
pointing to all his you know comments subliminal comments like everything is pointing to the fact that he doesn't just want to do that like he wants to you know be that all-star again and and you know get his touches all that but like I said in the past I don't think uh uh Porzingis centered offense is winning anything (laughs) I don't think it is no no and 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 that's the other thing like He, I, you know, hell, we Mavs fans. I've watched every game. KP is a decent passer for a dude to seven three seven four. Um, KP can do other things, right? I know he can. That's how I know he be bullshitting when he don't rebound or protect the paint. I, I've watched him long enough. I don't think he's guarding anybody in space. And frankly, it's fucking ridiculous to expect a 7374 dude to guard a 62 to 6-6 dude in space anyway. But he didn't even try to protect the rim like he did in the past. It was effort, right? And that's 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 what bothers me about Tall Man and why it's like, man, I don't think he's gonna be back based on some of the things he said. However, his exit interview Man, Tall Man said everything that I wanted to hear. He acknowledged that the game had changed. He acknowledged that he had to work on stuff. And then he did enter this offseason healthy for the first time. I mean, man, I think this might be since his rookie year. I think this is the first time he can, like, just work on his game. So I don't think Tall Man is going to be here. But if he is here or wherever he ends up at next, I will not be shocked around January of next year if folks is on Twitter like they dump Porzingis and he's balling out. Because I can see Tall Man's petty. I can see him like doing all the things he didn't do here somewhere else just out of spite. Yeah. But I mean, like I said, people do that with Seth Curry too. It's just, they don't, they don't, they ignore fit and they think they can just copy and paste production from one team to the next. Like yeah. at this point, I think we can, we can accurately say Porzingis is not a star. He might be a, um, he's, I won't even give him the tag as role player. He's, a, he's not a role player. He's, a, um, I, I would say maybe he's like a fringe kind of, star guy that that's that's where he's at right now if if I were to say that and fringe star type guys fit is important as well the only guys that fit don't matter are stars superstars they could go anywhere and do you know do what they do but um yeah if, if we're talking about you know role players high-end role players fringe stars fit is important so um yeah, I don't know. I mean, we can transition and talk about Nico Harrison since he would be the one making these decisions. Um, how do you feel about the Nico Harrison hire as GM? Man, I uh, I loved it. Um, it was outside of the box, and it's kind of been dismissed in certain circles. Uh, I travel in as like, hey, buddy was selling sneakers. How is like what the hell is, how's he a GM? But if you dig into it, um, he literally, I mean, a billion dollar corporation um, paid him millions of dollars a year 
to determine who were the athletes that they should elevate and who were the athletes they should bring on their team. And he, that man is connected. Um, In my opinion, you know, Mark Cuban has always wanted to chase stars, but he tried to chase stars with Donnie Nelson and an asshole coach and Rick Carlisle. And I think what Mark Cuban finally realized was I need to go get the people that are best equipped to go execute what my vision is for my basketball franchise. And that's what this dude is. He's, man, he's connected, bro. Like, in my opinion, when it comes to free agent as Mavs fans, like, think about it, um, SJ, when, you know, ESPN has their free agency special and all the free agent names start rolling in, the Mavs usually are whatever players we end up with, they usually talk about them dudes or those decisions get made hours after or an hour or two after the the real signing start. And my theory is Cuban, Donnie, and Rick never really had people in them circles. I think free agency, man, I think most big ticket free agents already know where they're going before, like right now, free agency ain't for another, what, five weeks? Them dudes know where they're going. They, you know, hell, I know how much cap space all these teams got available. So they agents know. So that that tampering has already occurred. But Donnie and Mark never were able to participate in that tampering because they just went in them circles. Uh, Mark was close with Dan Fagan. That's how we almost got uh, Darren Williams, that's why we thought we had a chance at Dwight Howard. But outside of that, Mark's not connected to any agents. And yeah. neither was Donnie. And that's why I think we've had the problems we've had in free agency. Add in no one wanting to play for Rick if they didn't have any other choice. And I think that's about to change under Nico. I think Nico, even if it's not like mega stars, like I said, your, your Jay Crowders, your your dudes on the, for the mid-level exception, your dudes that you get for, you know, uh, the BAE, I think that's about to change. I, I, I have total, I'm not going to say I have total confidence in dude because just because you can recruit doesn't mean you know how to build a basketball team. Yeah. With that being said, they did keep, you know, Finley around. And I do think Finley somewhat has an eye I know he was instrumental in getting Jalen and Jalen for all of his flaws for being the 36th pick in the draft. He's outproduced that full stop. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think if there was a redraft, Jalen goes late lottery, if not may at the worst a little bit after that. Oh yeah, 100%. Exactly. So I look at, he got Finley there to do the, the dirty work while Nico was there to recruit the stars. So I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I, I like the signing. Like, at first, when, cause, you know, the reporters, it was Stein, McMahon, they were, like, reporting it. Like, they they report as they hear. So they kind of just said, oh, yeah, Mavs are bringing in Nico Harrison. And I, I kind of was like, okay, to do what? <laughs> like, what is he right, going to do? Right. You know, because they didn't have his title and such. And um, 
now that everything's coming out and you know just the um amount of players that you know congratulated him off rip you know he's close to dame um dame congratulated him off rip jared dudley he's close with and he's close with a lot of these guys and it's it's fine it's nice to finally have um someone in the front office like you said that that have relationships with you know guys agents around the league and it will help us a lot in free agency and i think something that's going on under the radar as well um they by all reports it sounds like he has a sound basketball mind like the the words the adjectives used to describe him is you know creative and I feel I'm happy with that I feel like he probably lacked some creativity um in past years you know to the casual basketball fan sometimes I ask my friends oh what do you think about when you hear the Dallas Mavericks you know one word is always boring (laughs) you know right always think we're boring so I think um getting like creative minds in the front office it's real interesting. And I said, even on the last pod, like I like for the, the opening of, you know, general manager and, you know, president of basketball operations, I didn't mind getting someone who didn't have like experience in the league because that's not necessary to me. And, you know, they got someone who didn't necessarily have experience in the league, but is well, you know, it's well connected with the league. So I, I think that hiring, I have a good feeling about that hiring. I mean, I hope, you know, kid doesn't mess it up or <laughs> whatever, um, yeah. whatever he gets for the team. But I, I have a, a good feeling about that. I, I hope, I really hope he can get us some talent. And like someone said, no more thrift store shopping for us in terms of building the team. We need um good talent as opposed to, you know, and, and I appreciate these guys. I'm not trying to um say anything bad about like the Dorian Finney Smiths of the world or the Clevers of the world. I appreciate those guys, but at the same time, they were on your team when you were horrible, horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if you're trying to go places and these guys are still a part of your core, I think you're kind of doing something wrong. I, I think you are. I think, you know, they're playing above their heads. They need to just be knocked down a peg or two. And they'd be better for it, I think. So, and that starts with getting more talent. So, I I like the Nico hiring. I I have a good feeling about him. Hopefully, he doesn't prove us wrong. Yeah, and God bless Maxi Kleber. God bless Dorian Finney Smith. Yeah. They just play too many minutes. Um, exactly. It just is what it is, and I think they've maximized who they can be. Uh, both of them. And yeah, they're that, not young players. Yeah, I mean, Dorian is about to be 29. I think Maxie about to be 30. Like, yeah, Maxie's yeah, pushing 30. Yeah, it's like at some point, you are what you are. There's a reason why those dudes didn't make the league and really enter the rotation the way they did until, you know, they're older as far as basketball, NBA-wise, right? They're not old dudes in life, but... Mm-hmm. The average plays of average age of NBA players twenty five years old. I don't think Max even got to the league till he was like twenty five. So, yeah, you know, it is what it is. That's what I think. Nico comes in handy with, um, you know, maybe Finley will identify an archetype of a player that we need, and I think Nico will be able to go sell 
you know, I, I keep bringing up Bobby Portis just because, like, <laughs> Buddy, Buddy scored 11 and 8 and shot 40% from three. And he's on, he's making like a little bit more money than Bob, uh, Boban. And it's just like that type of shit right there is what we've been missing. Getting yeah. like, we, and God bless Boban, but he ain't better than Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis is only 25. Bobby Portis was a first round draft pick. We need, that's where I feel like we've been lacking as much as we've been lacking star power. And that's why we talking about Maxi and DFS. Bobby Portis is better than both of them dudes. Yep. So I think those are the stuff on the margins. I think Rick was able to, I think Rick and Donnie were able to get dudes to agree to play for Rick when they had no other choice. And Rick was good. Like, you know, your Brandon Basses, your Brandon Wrights, your Al Farouk Aminos, your dudes who were like highly drafted, but were on their way out the league. Rick got them together and got them bags. But there's only so much of that to go around. Yeah, enough of that. We're tired of the redemption stories in yeah. Dallas. We just, just want a good player off rip. <laughs> exactly. Let's instead of uh reclamation projects, let's just get good players, right? Yeah. And, and keep it pushing. Um that's kind of all I got, or I should say all we got for the Mavericks. Um I'm excited about Nico. I'm a little mad about Jason Kidd, but hell, you can always fire a coach like it ain't the yep. end of the world that Jason Kidd is here. You know, he can get packed up after a year or 18 months or two seasons. It's no big deal. And I'm not going to lose no sleep about it. Um, one topic that, you know, as we talk about moving forward with the Mavs is what a championship team looks like. I'm of the opinion that just getting better isn't going to keep Luca. <laughs> like, yeah. making the second round, making the Western Conference Finals and getting packed up, Buddy is still out of here. He's still leaving. We got to win championships. We got to make, or at the very least, make the finals and damn near win the championship. I don't think he's staying here just to make the second round or make the Western Conference Finals. And in my opinion, that window, you know, he's about to sign an extension. The extension is five years. It's going to have an opt-out after four years. So effectively, we only got control over Luca contractually for five years. But you know how this goes. Like, if going into that fourth year, if we made the finals or won a championship, you know how that's going to go. Like, he's going to be like, yeah, I might leave. The speculation is going to come. And if he may just ask out. So in my opinion, we only have four years, four to four and a half seasons to win a championship or come damn near close. So when I say that, I look at how the teams who have won championships recently and the teams that are playing right now And to me, I reverse engineer those teams. And that's how I try to build a championship team moving forward. Like I'm not, I'm not keeping KP signing DeMar DeRozan, throwing him out there with Dorian Finney-Smith and shit, I don't know, 
Maxie and saying, yeah, that's going to be enough to keep uh, Luca happy. Does that make us better than we were last year? Yeah, absolutely. I think we beat the Clippers. Hell, we might even make the West Conference Finals, but it's not a championship team. It's not a team that even, you, it, you know, I'm watching what DeAndre Aiden is doing. I'm watching what, how even Brooke Lopez and Giannis are doing at the five. And it's like, bro, we ain't got nobody on the roster. We don't even have anybody on that theoretical roster that can do those things. And I think those things are a necessity. Even Clint Capella for the Hawks. I think Clint Capella being there allows John Collins not to play defense and allows Trey Young to be mid. I can't even say that man is mid, to be bad on defense. Yeah, I think um, with that, like, if, like, my vision of a championship team, the best example I have right now are the Suns. To me, that's why I'm so high on the Suns, like, you know, I talk like I'm a Suns fan. I'm not a Suns fan, but I've been high on this team from even before the season started because I think their pieces are, like, perfect, like, in terms of the archetype of a, champ- a modern championship roster. And we, you know, if you compare the two rosters, you know, we're not close. We're not close to them yet. We do probably have the best player um, in Luka, but we're not close to um their team and I don't think it's it's something that can be fixed in one off season which is why it's going to be a process and you can't make like they can't make any more mistakes um to me as as time goes on I won't even say poison this was like a mistake but clearly it didn't work out and you can't have mess ups like that going forward and um, so to me championship team gotta have a obviously I think the point guard position is becoming, you know, underrated. Like, I look at the Clippers. Like, you all, you think, oh, why can't the Clippers, you know, they have so much talent. Why can't they get over the hump? And, I mean, we know Kawhi went down, and they're a different team from last year. But if you watch them, especially in that game four, when it was a brick fest and nobody could score, to me, the Clippers were lacking good point guard play. You know, Rondo was pretty much unplayable. He wasn't good. And he was thought to, you know, they brought him in to fix those issues but if I when I look at them and even in Boston like um with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown like they're they, they're kind of similar to the Clippers to me where it's just two wings just isolating <laughs> all game yep. and they, they don't have good point guard play so I would say good point guard play doesn't the point guard doesn't have to be a star like you know Chris Paul or anything like that he's you know obviously one of the greatest of all time so I'm not saying you have to have a Chris Paul but like even like a you know a Ricky Rubio type like Alonzo type guys that can you know control the game with passing I think I think that's important and you need to have a dynamic scorer. Now I would say it doesn't matter two or the three it doesn't matter at what position but you have to have a dude that can score that's a three level scorer that can score in a variety of ways and I mean we have that in Luca and he also acts as a point guard which is why I've been going back and forth thinking about what is Luca's true long-term position. I know he's a point guard and, you know, some people don't classify him as such because he's tall and because he doesn't guard other point guards. And I get it, but for right now he plays point guard on the team, but I am kind of leaning towards the idea that for long-term roster building, his, the position that he might be more successful at might be the two. 
I think if you move him to the two and play him with a point guard like a Kyle Lowry, I think we might get better um, success. So he's not having to score the ball and set everyone up for 48 minutes. So we need to have a guy that can score and we need to have three and D wings. We need to have at least two of them in that starting lineup. And like I said, the Suns, they have that in Bridges and Crowder. And at the same time, they can't be just specialists, like three-point specialists. So like our three and D wings, you could say, were maybe Maxi and Dorian Finney-Smith, but they were more so specialists. They can't do anything else. <laughs> Crowder and um, Bridges, they have the ability to put the ball on the floor and like attack closeouts. And I don't think we had a guy in the roster that could do that. Dorian Finney-Smith, he kind of showed now he could do it a little bit, but in the playoffs, like when the defense got tight, <laughs> it, it was a wrap. He, he couldn't do it. And Maxi, he should never dribble. So I think, <laughs> no, but yeah, we need we need to get 3D wings that are a little versatile where they can attack those types of closeouts. And finally, to me, this is one of the most important positions to center. You need to have a versatile big man that can do a lot, that can do a lot. And I know small ball has been the topic, especially since the Clippers were dominating with it. But as we've seen um, with these games that have just passed, Aiden killed that small ball lineup. He said, you cannot put Nicholas Batum on me and get away with it. And they had to start Zubats again. So I don't think small ball is what's going to happen in the future. You need a versatile big man that can protect the rim that can switch out on the perimeter and hold his own. I'm not saying he has to be a, you know, an eight nor a bam out of bio where they're locking up perimeter players. That's not fair, but he should be able to hold his own. He has to rebound the ball and he has to be an excellent help defender, just anchoring that defense. So I think if you have all those, you're a championship team, which is why I do think the Suns are a championship team. But, and obviously, you know, bench depth, we need to have, reliable guys off the bench and I think the backup point guard position is one that's underrated in the league I, I'm happy that we have a great one in Brunson um and I, I do think that that's his long-term role I know people think he can start you know on other teams and while he can I I don't think those teams are going to be <laughs> like championship teams I think if, if he wants to be on a winning roster his best role would be a backup point guard so um, that's just those are just my ideas for a championship roster. I think that's where the league's going. You gotta have guys that can defend multiple positions, and you have you need to have the ability to play a versatile style on offense as well. The Mavs, our problem was we couldn't play many different ways because we just didn't have versatile guys to do so. So I think once you get a lot of guys that can do different things, everything becomes much easier. Yeah, I think uh, I pretty much totally agree with you. I think these playoffs have magnified what success in the regular season and success in the playoffs, those are two different animals. Yeah. And, you know, I hate to pick on this man, but I look at Rudy, and if we keep it at all, Rudy – 
the reason why Rudy, quote unquote, got exposed against the Clippers when the Clippers went small is because Utah don't got nobody that can defend on the perimeter. And in the regular season, except for Royce O'Neal, and in the regular season, Rudy is so good at protecting the paint. And over a regular season, you can get away with that. You can get away with winning a lot of games with a lot of offense and just one dude that's really good at protecting the paint. But here in the playoffs, when a team plays you over and over, and obviously as we in the conference finals, these are the best teams. These are the teams that have the deepest rosters, the most versatile rosters, and the best coaches. I mean, they're going to exploit your weaknesses, and they not, you know, it's like a video game, like Madden. Folks going to run the same play over and over again until you stop it. And if you really can't stop it, you're just going to lose. You're going to go home. And that's that's just kind of where I'm at. I don't want if Rudy could actually if you could just throw the ball to Rudy and he ain't got to be Shaq, but he could offset some of that what the Jazz were giving up on the uh, perimeter, but he can't do that. You know, you he he can't punish. You can guard him with a wing, a big wing, and he don't go off for 30 and 20, right? And I think, man, you know, with DeAndre Aiden, you you see what he's doing. Like, he's destroying, destroying small ball. And I saw you post a tweet to where, like, I think during small ball minutes, the Clippers are, like, minus four. But when they play Zubac big ass, they're negative 10. And it's like, dog, he just plays you. There ain't no good options for him. He's versatile. He has proven he is worth a max contract because he can play in the playoffs. I don't care what his stats are in the regular season. I think he has 16 and five. And I know they were a really good defense, and I don't think he got the credit he deserved for it. And I think he's kind of proven like, hey, dog, man, young fella beat up. And Chris Paul is probably getting way too much goddamn credit for that. (laughs) that's a whole nother topic we can talk about that another day but dog a dude that can protect the paint punish small ball and give you 16 and 10 man that's invaluable that's a max contract he's worth more than a player that might have better counting stats but don't but like hell that kp put up an efficient 20 and 9 but the man couldn't score on small ball. He borderline was unplayable. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's, it's crazy. Go ahead. No, nah, and I just say, like, we need that. That's what I want to see. In my fear, so many players, so many, well, I won't say players, folks on, on Twitter and Mavs Twitter, they just want to add talent. I'm like, y'all, that shit, like, I, I'm just going to say it. You know, the topic of the day is DeMar DeRozan. And I want DeMar DeRozan versus coming back with these bombs. But I don't want to let Tim walk. I don't want to let, you know, in a best case scenario, we got like $34 million in cap space. I don't want to let Tim walk. I don't want to let DeMar DeRozan and shit, Kelly Olenek be the only things we do this offseason. And we just run it back with Kelly Olenek, DeMar DeRozan, 
KP, Luca, and Dorian, and the same bums we got on the bench. Like, to me, the money it's going to take to keep DeMar is, it's like, bro, a lot of people is like, oh, just add talent. Well, we added talent with KP. People saying, you shouldn't care about draft picks. Well, shit, we traded draft picks that didn't matter, quote unquote, for KP. How's that shit working out? You know, DeMar is about to be 32 years old. Like, fam, this is how you become, and I, I, I say you, this is how you become the 76ers, but at least them boys young. I actually think Ben Simmons is going to have positive trade value, even though it's obvious he doesn't fit. A 35, 30, a 34, 35 year old DeMar DeRozan making 35 million. And it ain't like he, you know, he has a nice mid-range game, but that dude kind of he relies on his uh athleticism to get to the rack. If that shit goes, man, that's that's an albatross. And like you mentioned before, the KP situation didn't work, right? So you can't make no mistakes. Mm-hmm. We can't we can't put up no bricks. You put up a brick in another mag slot, Lucas gone. Full stop. Yeah. And it's funny. Um, I have a question to ask you. Um, if you were to add, like, okay, who would be, and it doesn't even have to be like realistic. I mean, the person has to be a free agent. So who, if you had to choose just one guy, let's say they keep the roster the same. Let's just say you can only have, and we still have, you know, Jay Rich, whatever. We still have Tim, all that. If you could just add one guy to the roster, who would it be? It's Kyle Lowry. Oh my God, I, my answer was Kyle Lowry as well. Yeah, it's 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 Kyle Lowry. It's not even close, yeah. actually. Because, I think so too. Yeah. Because for two reasons, I I don't think Kyle like the Luca era is basically this this five year window, four and a half year window I mentioned earlier. So you can give Kyle like shit two for 30 even three for 90 right yeah and that still gives you a window if the shit don't work out to re-enter have a max cap space as long as you don't fuck around with the other the other money you don't you know you don't extend (laughs) dorian for like give him 15 and you don't give Matt you, you as long as you're not stupid with the other money you can add kyle lowry can't quote unquote contend right away, but still have another window if it don't work out with him. I that's that's my hesitancy with Demar. Is like if you sign him, the money it's gonna take to get him. Like if Demar not good enough to be the second best player on championship team, it's a wrap. Like Lucas leaving, <laughs> guy, and we gonna be saying what happened. And I'm not saying he's not, but I just don't know if I feel comfortable risking the Luca air on DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, definitely not. I think I think Kyle Lowry, he he's the he's my dream free agent. I doubt it's gonna happen now, you know, Kyle, he's at the age where he's he's probably gonna get offers from teams that in his mind are you know Miami or Philly but um I think he'd be the dream free agent like it, it'd kind of be a um 
like our poor man's version of the Suns, you know, how they got Chris Paul and everything went great. I mean, it wouldn't be the same because we're not a Kyle Lowry away from a title, I don't think. But right, right. um he'd help so much. I think he'd help a lot, even if you kept Porzingis. I think he'd be great for Porzingis as well, you know. That's another playmaker that and you know, he's a willing passer, so he's gonna set Porzingis up. He can get his shot and he can get into the paint. I think we're missing that other aspect of like guys that can drive into the paint and kick out uh you know for open shots i think we're we, we are desperately missing that other guy that's why um you know brunson and luca lineups they do so well because that's two guys <laughs> that can get in the paint anytime they want and you know kick out for open shots and keep the ball in rotation i think we we, we have no one else that can really keep the ball in rotation and unlike um Brunson, Kyle Lowry can start because, you know, he's locking up. He's old, but, but that defense still hasn't left him. He's still defending at a, a pretty, you know, decent level. So I, I like the fit a lot. I I hope, I just hope, you know, the magic can work some sort of magic to get it done. But that, that that's feeling like a pipe dream as well. But yeah, he, he'd be my dream. Look at it. Well, yes and no, right? Because, and this is me turning into an optimist, now that we got Nico, if Rick was here, yeah, that's a pipe dream. Hell yeah, that's a pipe dream. Yeah. But like, we, you look at Miami, it's like, why are they better than us? For real. Like, why, why are they just hands down better than us if you're trying to I mean, win? If we can offer the same bag, like, why are they better than us? Real talk. I mean... You got to think about it. They have more talent. If you got Duncan Rob, they, there's no Duncan Robinson. If Kyle Lowry comes, there's no Goran Dragic. If Kyle Lowry comes, uh, there's no Andre Iguodala. If Kyle Lowry comes, right? So once you delete them three, you know, you're looking at Bam, Jimmy, maybe, I guess, Tyler Hero and, I, I don't think there's Kendrick Nunn if Kyle Laundry uh, comes because he's a free agent too. They got to pay him okay. too. So I, I really, I don't know. I don't know, fam. I really don't know. I mean, it's the East at the same time. You're right. Easier, yeah, you're you right about that. You're right about that. It, it'll be easier even if, even if we got a little more talent. If the money's the same, it'd probably be easier to win just get being in the East, but... I don't know. I think we got a shot at Kyle. I really do. I, I hope that's the first call. Um, I, that's my number one guy. And I, I, I think people are infatuated with DeRozan because they think they got a shot at him. Because <laughs> I don't think he's going to be the number one. I don't think DeRozan's even getting the biggest bag. No, I think I think DeRozan is probably going to look for the biggest bag. Like, at this point, like, I don't think us trying to compete with you know, getting maxed, like giving him a max. I, I don't think, I think if you can get DeRozan for less than a max, fine. But if you're getting him at a max, I, I'm not a fan. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not. Yeah, I'm not either. Because, I, well, I take it back. If it's like two years, yeah, sign me up. If it's two years, fine. And you know what? Shit, if it's three years, sign me up. But... <laughs> Four, no, nah. because that 
I just, man, that just, given DeMar DeRozan the Max just has Albatross written all over it yeah. in like 24 months, maybe even 18 months. Yeah. And uh, now who knows, shit, maybe we get DeMar and Kyle. Oh boy, that'd be a dream. Bro, they will fit so well. You uh, you get them to what's crazy is tall man offensively. That would literally like that's a good enough offense to win a championship. Defensively, fuck it, you can just make a matchup dependent. And I think I keep bringing up my guy Bobby, but <laughs> you can get a Bobby Portis. You can you can get a matchup small ball center for like the BAE or some of the MLE to fix those matchup issues. And I think uh, Kyle Lowry and DeMar pass so well, they would get KP a shots. Cause yeah. you, I think it's obvious Luka don't fuck with KP, even when he is open. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Because I don't know if you remember, remember when Nico Melli first came to the team and in his first game, yeah. he was bricking. He was bricking real bad. And yeah. Luka kept, Lucas kept forcing him the ball. And I remember hey. being so annoyed because I was yeah. thinking Lucas trying to, you know, get him acclimated with the team, but I'm like, Luca, he's 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 not on. He's breaking. That man shoot like twenty-five percent from three during his NBA career. I know the shot yeah. looks wet, but he's not gonna make it, Luca. Yeah, and he just kept feeding him. So to me, it's it's not he's not a selfish player. He just does not like causing his that's just what it yeah. is. Dude, he was feeding Wes Uwandu. Yeah. Wes Uwandu, every time he was open in the corner, Luca was diamond his ass. <laughs> KP would be wide open. He like, man, I'm gonna pass that man. Fuck him. <laughs> I would laugh. Cause I'm like, bro, there's some smoke there. That's why my theory is I don't even think it's trust. I think something happened. I think something happened. Something off, probably happened, yeah. Something happened off the court that or it was on the court that led off the court. They got into it. Because Luke is not a selfish player. He will pass it to the open man unless he's tall, man. Mm. All the time. And it, and I almost feel like if Tall, you know, Tall Man was throwing him subliminal shots and he maybe told him, I don't know. I, I really, I'm not even going to speculate. I can't call it, but I do. Hell, I, I just don't think they mess with each other. And that's why I don't think Tall Man's going to be on the roster pretty much under any circumstances. Yeah. Yep. But Miss SJ, that's all I got. Um, did you have any other topics or anything else you want to broach? Oh, no. That, that, that was it. Sweet. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Guys, we thank y'all for listening to the second but technically first episode of 21 Going On 77. My name is Dwight. Follow me on Twitter at the numbers 517, the letters T-O-2. The numbers 214, that's at 517-2214. And follow my co-host SJ at, I forget to SJ join. SJ Basketball 8. SJ Basketball 8. So, guys, I appreciate y'all listening. Thank y'all for rocking with us. And we will see y'all, well, <laughs> talk to y'all later. We out. Yeah.